0: This is No Love Live with Pastor Tim Warholic. Tim is the senior pastor of Paradise Calvary Chapel in Las Vegas, Nevada. No, yeah. some announcements for you. If you're new with us, the back corner is our information station. We named it that on purpose so that it rhymed and it sounded kind of silly. So every time I say it, I like to say it. So back at the information station, there's some connection cards. If you're new with us, I'd encourage you to fill one of those cards out so we can get in touch with you, follow up with you. At the bottom, there's a space for prayer requests. We have a team that meets every Sunday morning at 8 o'clock before the first service to pray for you and those things. So again, I want to encourage you, if you want people to be praying for you, I need people praying for me. In fact, I think I might fill out a card tonight <laughs> and deliver it, hand deliver it to the prayer team on Sunday morning. Pray for me, guys. I know what they're going to say. We always pray for you, Pastor Tim, because they're awesome. So, um, yeah, so fill out a connection card. Things we have coming up. We have our Silver Saints lunch Saturday, January 19th at 12 p.m. The Olive Garden Office Sunset in Green Valley Parkway. The Senior Saints are, are our, um, I mean, it's basically anybody that wants to go hang out pretty much, right? <laughs> it's, it was meant for the, the retired people who are a little bit older, but yeah, I go to their lunches, and they, they're really open. They love everybody. They love fellowship, and they love to hang out. So I I'd encourage you, if you wanted to check that out, go, go ahead and do that. If you're not on GroupMe, also you can talk to Grant about getting on GroupMe. GroupMe is our group messaging app, which you can stay connected with the church. It can get a little bit active at times, so don't get mad. Just put it on silent, okay? If you're you're the kind of person that is overstimulated by too much communication, (laughs) there can be a lot of communication on there. And then this Sunday, this coming Sunday, January 20th, we're having our baptism. There's a sign-up sheet in the back. If you'd like to be baptized, you can fill that out so I can contact you this week before next Sunday. Uh, Cool story. We finally, after five years this past week, got our very own first baptismal. Yeah. So, I'm going to be, came to my house a few days ago, so I'm going to bring it down and set it up over here where we usually have the kiddie pool and dunk people in. And um, it is, you're going to see, I don't want to ruin it for you, but it's actually an inflatable jacuzzi. So... I'm gonna warm it up for you guys because we've had people who were really stumbled <laughs> by the cold water in the past. And I mean, understandably, <laughs> the water was pretty cold. So now i will get a little warmer. You know how Jesus likes it. Nice and lukewarm. And um <laughs> it's gonna be a good it's gonna be a good time. And then February third. After the second service uh, is our fifth anniversary extravaganza. So, Paradise Calvary Chapel started five years ago, February 3rd. We started on Super Bowl Sunday in our living room at our house, and the Lord's done great things for us, with us, and is continuing to do. So, we want to get together and celebrate that. And then, After the big party, after the second service, we live stream the game for whoever wants to stay behind and root against the Patriots. So I encourage you all to do the former. First and foremost, Root Against the Patriots. And I'd also love for you to be able to come and have some good fellowship with us. It's going to be a sweet time. We're going to have a big bouncy house. We've got a bouncy house for the kids. And we've got a 90 foot long inflatable obstacle course, which, as far as I'm concerned, doesn't have an age limit, if you know what I mean. So <laughs> we're going to be having some races. Down to the races. And the best part, food. The church is going to provide hamburgers, hot dogs, and um, a a cake. We're going to have a nacho bar. Have you guys ever had a nacho bar before? You bring chips. We got somebody getting the cheese, the nacho cheese, nacho. And then you have all these different toppings that you can put your own nachos together. I prefer my wife to put my nachos together for me because she does a better job than I do. But I don't know if she'd be okay with doing yours. So you should either ask somebody else or do it yourself. But it's going to be jamming, if you know what I mean. So if you got your Bible, I told you last week that we're going into this special section where this great sign appears in heaven, and it's the first of seven successive signs that happen in, in heaven. And, and, and we have to remember that the, the, the book of Revelation doesn't necessarily happen chronologically. We have these snapshots of the end times, and we do know that this is duly fulfilled prophecy. So this is prophecy that's fulfilled in John's time with the Roman Empire, but it's also looking forward to the seven-year tribulation that, that we're probably not going to be a part of and what it's going to look like on the earth when that happens. So we're going to cover a few chapters tonight. That's what we're going to be talking about. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we thank you that you love us so much that you want us to be prepared and that you've given us your word, and you've spoken to us, and you love us, and you don't want us to be unawares. You want us to be aware, and we want to be aware, not just for our own sake, but for the sake of taking the good news out to the world, not in doom and gloom that you guys are all going to burn for eternity, but, but, God, in sincerity that we can take the good news out to the world and, and give them your message of love and hope. Give them your message that you do not take delight in the death of the ungodly, but your desire is that everyone would come to repentance and be restored into a right relationship with you. So, Father, we pray that you bless your word. Thank you, Lord, for that beautiful worship and for these the worship team that, that put that effort into leading us before you tonight, Lord. And allow this also to be a sweet time of uh, worship as we study your word and through our tithes and offerings, God, that, that we would honor you, bless you, and love you with all of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Revelation chapter 12, now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head, a garland of 12 stars then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. So here we have this first great sign. We have this woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve stars. We know pretty pretty surely that this is the nation of Israel, always talked about as a maiden, always talked about as a, as a woman. The twelve stars are the twelve tribes of Israel, and clearly. Uh, her place on earth, which uh, by by biblical definition, the seven-year tribulation is called Jacob's trouble. Jacob's trouble is God finally dealing with the 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 fulfillment of the promises that he's made to the nation of Israel, first and foremost, primarily. But as he's doing that and, and taking care of the nation of Israel like he said he always would, it also ushers in this time of the earth's full, complete rebellion against him. So you have God dealing with his people. We also should put the church into this in the context of, yes, the church most likely is raptured and not there, Present at all anymore, but hopefully, by the grace of God, through this very tumultuous, difficult, most difficult in history time on earth, hopefully that there's these people being saved through that process, and they would be uh, included with the capital C church before the ultimate dealing of, of God's dealing with Satan and the rebellion of the earth. So that's kind of where we're at, and the woman. Signifying Israel, it says that she was with child and she cried out in labor in pain to give birth. So we start out with the great sign. And then here we have the mini, some of the mini signs. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems in his heads. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to deliver her, to devour, excuse me, to devour her child. As soon as it was born, she bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that they should feed her there 1,260 days. Now, like I said, this is a duly fulfilled prophecy. So we can see very similarities of the birth of Jesus Christ in this. Who was the king that represented the Roman government, but that was ruling over the Jews at the time that Jesus was born? Does anybody know? Herod, King Herod, okay? And and what happened when the wise men were going to see Jesus in the manger after his birth? They went and saw Herod first. And what did Herod say? He said, tell me where this baby is because I want to go send him gifts also. And then they were warned in a dream, do not return to Herod and do not tell him uh, where the child is. And Herod went and he wiped out all of the children, two and under, because he was afraid that somebody else was going to come and take his kingdom. But there was a greater fear element involved. It wasn't the earthly kingdom that was so much involved. As, as, it's not that you battle against flesh and blood, but there was a heavenly kingdom happening uh, involvement happening at that time as well. And Satan didn't want Jesus to progress on earth and become the fulfilled Messiah, not really knowing the fullness of the plan of God, but he, he wanted to prohibit and stop the Messiah from be, being able to do it. Just like we saw this morning, he has no authority. I love how Paul takes the snake bite like a champ and just shakes the snake off in the fire. It's like, yeah, sometimes I'm not even surprised anymore when the enemy attacks me. I'm like, yeah, cool story, bro. Like, you don't like me. You don't like the church. You don't like anybody going to church or praying. But guess what? We are gods and you have zero authority over us and you will not affect us within or without. So he can be breathing down your neck. He can be there crouched waiting for something to happen to be able to snatch it up. But, but his threats are empty. The only time that the, the enemy's threats become real is when we receive them as real as when we respond to them as something that can actually happen. But if you don't respond to the enemy's threats as something that can actually happen, you're golden, you're fine. And he just goes on, you know, Paul shakes the snake off, the enemy attacks, and he just goes on, starts healing people on the island, and the gospel of Jesus Christ is spread into an island that without the storm and the shipwreck, who knows how long it would have been until they heard it. So here we have this this great dragon, fiery red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns. heads and horns. horns always signify uh, authority or power in the Bible. It's some kind of strength. The seven heads, most people would agree that, that it's it's the completeness of, of the, 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 the world. The, the, the world government i I read this really I, I read this book and it had this really good quote. It was the uh, now I forgot it Grace, what did I tell you? it was it was the the deification of secular authority that's what was happening there's a deification of secular authority to the point where people place The government on such a high pedestal that they start to worship those who are in those positions. And this is exactly what happened at that time in the Roman empire. There was a deification of the the secular authority and the emperors were worshiped and hailed as gods. And what is that to God? That is blasphemy. So whenever you see anybody talking about how uh, they're going to take take care of everything and they're a savior or they're going to be the ones that make everything work out just you know be careful it, there's nothing new in the book it's all the same under the sun over and over again and whenever anybody starts to point to themselves more than to or at, at all be, instead of god there's a problem so here's this this dragon who who's the dragon typically we're going to get to it but let's just do a spoiler alert. Who's the dragon in the Bible always? The serpent, Satan. Very clearly, we're given the picture of the sign in heaven that that, that it's a dragon, but we're going to see specifically in the next few verses afterwards that it is indeed Satan. So you have this... Uh, this, this deification of a secular authority that has seven heads so we're talking about it's it's a representation the seven is a number of completion it's a representation of the whole world giving themselves over this deification of a secular authority and this is the this is the the enemy coming against really the last standing light left on the world which is uh Israel specifically but she has this baby, and his tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them down to earth. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. So Jesus sees this happening. Uh, the devil is standing um, or is in heaven as well. He's called the accuser of the brethren. So he's. you ever feel like condemned. Have you, ever, has you, ever, you guys ever felt condemned before? Like Maybe you didn't even do anything wrong, but something's poking at your chest. Somebody's whispering in your ear, you're no good. You're worthless. You should just give up. You're, you're terrible. You know That's not an addiction. That's just something that you like to do. Those kinds of words come from the enemy. He is the accuser of the brethren. He's the one that puts his finger in your chest and makes you feel like dirt. God does not do that. God meets you where you're at. God picks you up. God comforts you. He helps you. So if you ever start feeling like that, you know that the accuser of the brethren is the one that comes and condemns you. But Romans says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus and are called according to his purpose. Who walk according to the spirit, not according to the flesh. So we have the seven heads, the ten horns, which which show authority and power, and then seven diadems on the heads that show, again, this this legal authority. It's royalty. it's, It's a status. His tail drew a third of the stars out of the heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. She bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. Sunday school question, Who is the child that was born that was to rule all nations with a rod of iron? Anybody know? Jesus. Jesus. Whenever I say Sunday school question, the answer is always Jesus. So it's just a gimme. It's so that I get some engagement from you guys. And you can yell it out and be proud of it. Jesus! Who's the child born with the scepter that's going to rule the nations? Jesus! Jesus! And her child was caught up to God in his throne. So we fast forward through the entire life of Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection, and now his ascension to God after the fact. As much as Satan wants to thwart the plan of God for the redemption of mankind, he can't. And the child is, is caught up to God in his throne at heaven in heaven and the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that she should that he should feed her there 1260 days now you know in romans paul talks about the true Israel or or the remnant of Israel. He says that not everybody that is Israel or is of Israel is really a Jew. So there's this remnant of Jews who are true Jews in the sense that that they have a faith in God. And maybe at this point, hopefully to some degree, they've received Jesus Christ as their savior. And then you have the church also represented, and there's a, a special protection for them. And it says that they're taken out into the desert. We like to think of, you know, going out into the desert isn't really, for me, in my mind's eye, because I live in the desert. It's not a place of protection, but it is, biblically speaking, whenever he was delivering the people from a, a foe or from a great enemy, where did he always take them? He always took them into the desert. What about then the, in Egypt? What did he do? He took them out. He parted the Red Seas, took him into the desert. What did he do? He rained down food from heaven. He, he provides for them supernaturally. So there's going to come a point where the pressure is so heavy in this end time scenario that God is going to have to take this true Israel, these people, he's going to take them out into the, into the desert and he's going to supernaturally provide for them to preserve them which is good. At this point, the church is in heaven. We're looking at this from a, a heavenly perspective down, and we're seeing the scene unfold where Satan is trying his darndest with all of the strength that he can to, 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 to crush the nation of Israel because his time is short. He, he's running out of time. Three and a half years, and war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought And they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So, this is a reference to Daniel chapter 12. We don't have enough time to get into it tonight, but if you want to do some extra reading on Revelation chapter 12, you can jot down Daniel chapter 12 and go read some about this fight in heaven. But I really like that we have a little bit of insight into this because I really think that it's important for us to grow in our faith. We really have to put the pieces together that this isn't. This isn't all that it is. Just because, like Kobe said, I, I love how he said that thing. If I can see it, if I can touch it, if I can smell it, then, then I believe it. But the reality is that we're in a spiritual battle. And just because we can see three dimensions doesn't mean that there's more that we can't see into. And there's stuff happening. Another reason why I like that God gives us insight into this is because uh, there's some proponents, and it's good. I believe also in the sovereignty of God. But there's some proponents, uh, some people that say that this, God's sovereignty is so absolute that that everything that happens is what he ordained to happen. And while I get their premise and, and their hope in the direction that they're coming from, we see even in heaven with the angelic hosts, there's some kind of uh, play of will that you have to engage in if you really believe God is who he says he is. It. And what that does is, sovereignty is, is, God can do anything. He's perfect, and, and sovereignty is good. But, but value in relationship comes through uh, decisions that you make towards people. You have relationships with people, friends, family, bosses. The way that you treat them, the way that you interact with them, shows them, tells them that you love them. And it's the same way here. I don't know. I don't know to what degree we can look at other verses in the Old Testament that talk about angelic um, decisions. We have the the uh, the reference in Genesis that the angels came down to earth at one point. We won't get into that tonight, but we do see that that they were created as as servants. They were created as messengers of God. But the meat of it is, you know, this isn't like the milk, like, but like the author of Hebrews talks about, you guys just keep drinking the milk. The meat of this is, we don't fully wrap our heads around it yet, but there is some kind of well-being exercise, and it is because of the value that God places on relationship, which is really paramount for us, that this is the... The ultimate blessing that we get to come together tonight and sit here and read God's word, engage with Him personally, engage with each other, and cultivate a relationship with the living God. That's how I feel. Amen. And I and I and I sense it and I see people go through it. I've known Kobe. I'm just referencing you because I love your testimony. I've known Kobe for at least five years. We were, we were hanging out in a life before we even started the church plant, six, maybe seven years. And, and I can see the growth spiritually in people's lives. And that's encouraging for me because if they're growing, then I better be too, right? If, if God's doing things in my life, then, then I'm sure that he's gonna do things in your life. So get it, like, ask him, dig in. Chew it. So we have this war that Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down." There was a dismantling of the power of Satan to accuse us and the spiritual element. There was a dismantling of that power when Jesus Christ shed his blood and died on the cross. Now, we don't really fully understand to what degree that happened, but we do know people ask me sometimes, they say, how come we don't see the kind of like supernatural activity that we read about in the New Testament with like demon possession and stuff like that? I believe by and large, a big part of that is that the spiritual forces there was a blow struck to them. When Jesus died on the cross. And they don't have access to us like they had access before. There's these questions that come up. People say, Hey, I've got my friend, you know, and they're acting really weird. I think they might be demon-possessed. And I say, Well, wait a minute, isn't your friend, isn't this the friend that you bring to church? And they say, Yeah. Well, are they a professing believer? I believe Jesus is my personal Lord and Savior, and He died for my sins, and I have repented of my sins. Yeah, then a believer in Jesus Christ cannot be also uh, housing uh, an evil spirit because he houses the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit doesn't keep roommates. Amen. It's not like over here we'll have the Holy Spirit and I'll rent you out a room, devil, over here. A house divided against itself cannot stand. It's not possible. Now there's other issues that could come into play that, that it's a whole nother conversation, but the enemy does not have the authority over you as much as he did before over people because of what Jesus demonstrated Uh, on the cross of Calvary. Now, that's an encouragement for us. And and one of the reasons that that I think that this is true is that we're going to see an inundation, as we've already read in the book of Revelation, a releasing of the spiritual forces back on the earth when the church is no longer there and it's removed. And that, my friends, is very scary indeed. What is going to run rampant in the end times? Deception. Deception. The enemy is going to be deceiving. Uh, Paul says, you guys give yourselves over to doctrines of demons. The people are going to be deceived into thinking things are not what they are. I had a conversation with somebody recently who um, got got caught up in some nasty stuff that they shouldn't be caught up in. And the first verse that came to mind, one of my life verses was, listen, brother, I love you. You're doing this wrong. This is bad. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows. That's what he's also going to reap. If you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap corruption. And if you sow to the spirit, you're going to reap everlasting life. Don't be deceived. And he was completely deceived that his position was an okay position to be in. So all that to say, The devil's the one that's going to have this access to the world. He's going to run rampant. He deceives the whole world. He's cast down to earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And then he hears this celebration. There's a nearing of the fullness of the kingdom of God, where there is no accuser of the brethren anymore, who accused before our God day and night. He's been cast down and overcame him this is an underlinable verse if you do that in your bible and they over, all and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony they overcame him by the blood of the lamb which gives us position before god because he paid the price for us in the power of their testimony, you know what the power of your testimony is. The power of your testimony is a changed life. You've been given the Holy Spirit. It is, it it is not up for debate. Debate. You are not the same person that you were before. God has begun and will complete the good work that He started in you through His Son Jesus Christ. And that, my friend, is good news. And like I said a minute ago, it's one of the glorious truths about being in ministry and seeing people. Yeah, people are broken. Yeah, people struggle in church. We have people that get in arguments. We have people that get in the flesh. But when you see somebody's life who's truly submitted to God and seeking him and following him, the fruit that comes from that is so precious. And they did not love their lives to the death. They understood that. The manifestation of their faith was that this temporal body doesn't matter. Yeah, snake bite me. Who cares? Yeah, shoot me for my faith or kill me. And we think like, oh, we, we should be scared. We need to preserve our lives. Um, i not going to get in. I can't get into that too much tonight. But But God wants us to have the perspective of everything that we do here on earth, should be connected to God and, and God's kingdom, and he's going to take care of the rest. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things are going to be added to you. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and ye who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows that his time is short. This, this is connected to the old saying that, that has absolute truth, misery loves company. The devil knows that his time is short and he's going to make as many people as miserable as possible as he can. He's coming to seek, to kill, to steal, and to destroy for no reason now when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished for time at times and half a time from the presence of the ser- serpent. So three and a half years, they're going to be miraculously taken out and preserved in the desert. As we already talked about in Exodus, there's a verse that actually references God taking the children of Israel on wings of eagles, on the wings of an eagle out of Egypt, out to the desert and sustaining them there, taking care of them. And the same picture is going to be seen during this three and a half years. So the serpent spewed water, Out of his mouth, like a flood, after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. But the earth helped the woman, the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So, good news church is gone. Good news. The gospel is still being proclaimed. Good news. There's still a remnant of the church on earth. Bad news. The devil's coming after them, but they've got nothing to fear because what did we talk about this morning? Don't fear him who can kill the body and do nothing to the soul. You fear him who can kill both soul and body and throw it into hell for all eternity. This is a temporal thing. And and the devil has a short time frame and he's only going to be able to do so much. Then chapter 13, we see the second party come on the stage. Then I stood on the sand of the sea and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his head, head's a blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear. His mouth was like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. So we have this beast come up. Also representing uh, the secular authority. and here we see the literal deification of the secular authority. And now we see the crowns and we see them having that that authority and it says that they on their heads is a blasphemous name. Here is, is the, this is the, the pinnacle of the deification where they're receiving titles which the Roman uh, government did with their emperors. they would receive titles of deity either before and after they died, to, to be worshipped. So this is the blasphemy, that some guy can be worshipped as God. And again, this is the seven heads, the totality of secular authority. The beast, the beast that I saw was like a leopard. What's notable about a leopard? Leopards are cool, man. I always wanted a pet leopard. They're really agile, you know, they can climb, they're 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 cruel, you know, they'll play with their prey. They won't just kill it and get it over with. They're like being mean to it. And you don't watch the YouTube videos because they're out there with these little calves in the out in, in, in Africa and stuff. But but they're cruel. Yeah, check it out later though. They're cruel. One thing, they're fast. So that's the one thing, the first thing notable. They had feet like the feet of a bear. What, what's notable about bears? Where's their strength? They're, they're huge. And you get smacked across the face by a bear, your head's going to spin around a few times. So he's got the agility, the speed, the cruelty of the leopard. He's got the strength, the size of a bear. And his mouth is like the mouth of a lion. You guys ever see the, the lion's roar? And they take the pictures and they put it on stuff because it just looks so incredible. This guy is something else. And he says that the dragon gave him his power, his throne and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded and his deadly wound was healed and all the world marveled and followed the beast. So there's going to be some kind of resurrection-esque thing about this beast where he's going to be Wounded, mortally wounded, and he should have died. But some people believe either he died and he it seemed like he came back to life. But whatever the case may be, it's going to be miraculous. And because of this wound and the way that he responds to it, uh, he's going to be worshipped and followed. So they worshipped the dragon who gave authority to the beast, and they worship the beast, saying, "Who's like the beast? Who's able to make war with him?" And he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And he was given authority to continue for 42 months. So here we have this guy, uh, the, 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 the enemy, Satan, gives him his authority. We have the Antichrist, which is what he is. He, he looks like, talks like, has power and authority like a world figure. He's been wounded, mortally, should have died, but he's alive. And now people are following him and he has the authority of the devil that, that um, the devil gives to him. And he opens his mouth in, in blasphemy against God. And what, what would that typically look like? What would it be blasphemies against God? He's not dropping GDs and JCs. He's, he's telling people that he is deified as well, that he is God. Or more specifically, if since he's the Antichrist, he's claiming to be the Messiah or the Son of God, which is false because the, the Son of God already came and bore the penalty for your sins so that you could be reconciled to God. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. It was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. Interesting enough, it was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome him. Because remember, we're talking uh, lowercase k kingdom. We're not talking about capital case K. Don't get bent out of shape. These guys die, they're going straight to heaven. Like, they're on the eternal order platform. This stuff is all temporal, even to the point when we get to the millennial reign, the thousand-year reign, that's even temporal. Yeah, a thousand years sounds like a long time, but guess what? Forever's a lot longer. Just take note. Enough. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. So this is a, you remember I said the totality of the secular authorities? This is the whole world has given themselves over every tribe, tongue, and nation. All who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity He who kills with the sword must be killed by the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. That word of encouragement really, excuse me, is for the people who are getting saved at that time or the people who are in existence at that time to not give themselves over. Don't be duped into thinking that you got to fight fire with fire. This isn't a, 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 a captivity sword-toting revolution that the Christians have to come up. This isn't an earthly battle to be fought. So have understanding in this, that, that uh, you, be patient, suffer through this difficult time. The fulfillment of God's promises are going to be to you for eternity. Then I saw another beast, verse 11 Coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. Doesn't that sound creepy? Yeah. You know what the, the, uh, the symbol for Satanists is? It's the upside-down star that they put the, the, the goat head in, right? So this looks like a lamb. It's like a goat. Looks like a lamb. It's not a lamb. It looks like a lamb. And it has two horns. And it spoke like the dragon. He exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell on it to worship the first beast. So... Whose deadly, wound, uh, "'whose deadly wound was healed. "'He performs great signs "'so that he even makes fire come down from heaven "'on the earth in the sight of men. "'And he deceives those who dwell on the earth "'by those signs which he was granted to do "'in the sight of the beast, "'telling those who dwell on the earth "'to make an image to the beast "'who was wounded by the sword and lived. "'He was granted power to breathe to the image, "'to give breath to the image of the beast.' That the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the beast, the image of the beast to be killed. All cause He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here's wisdom. Let him who understands calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is six six six. So this here we have what we would call the unholy trinity. We have Satan, who would what did he do? He tried to elevate himself to be greater than God. So we have the the, the anti God the Father, Satan. You have the Antichrist who's this political figure who has this this resurrection capability that his body's been restored, even though he should have been wounded and died. And then you have this third guy come on the scene, who we know is the false prophet. And the false prophet's going to come on the scene, and he's going to have some kind of spiritual authority to call down fire from heaven. He's going to be able to speak like the dragon. He's going to influence people like the dragon, which means what? He... Deceives people. Uh, Jesus said, you are like your father, the devil. He's always been a liar from the beginning. This is what he said to the Sadducees and Pharisees. That was very sad, you see. You are like your father, Satan, the devil. So this guy, he's going to be doing things and, and... causing deception in the world, focusing the attention to the Antichrist. And what does he do? He says that you guys should build an image to this guy who should be dead, and I'm going to breathe life into it so it speaks, and you guys should worship it. And everybody's like, that's a great idea. But it's a bad idea because that's blasphemy. And they're further sinking into a complete and total rejection of God's authority over the earth. And you need to get the big picture. This is why we're coming up on the the bold judgments, which is the actual wrath of God being poured out on the earth. This is setting the stage for that. It's a complete, uh, complete rejection of, of, of God's authority and even of his existence, clearly, in this False prophet um, creates this image, gives it life, commands people to worship it. He's the one that institutes the marks on your, on your foreheads and hands. People have been talking about this mark. I'm so tired of talking about the mark. If I can be totally honest with you, I'm so tired of it. People have been talking about this mark since the 80s. Yes, we have the technology. Yes, there's incredible things that we can do. Yes, people are putting things in their hands and foreheads for identification right now. They have been for a very long time. Listen, it doesn't even have to be technical. Like, we don't have to go back to the Bible studies in the 80s and 90s and and people saying, we now have the technology to do this. Listen, if I want to, I could take a stamp and put it on your forehead and say, unless people see that stamp on your forehead, you can't buy or sell anything. Or I can put a stamp on your hand and say, unless you show that to somebody, you can't buy or sell anything. You know, the Nazis tattooed numbers on the Jews to identify them. You know that? Didn't have to be super technologically advanced, the the reality was you picked a side and you submitted to the authority and did what they told you. And by doing that, you'd be identifying yourself with a team. That guy's the team that I'm on. I'm with him. And he says, okay, this is not good for you. Hey, if you guys are there, do not give into this because this is uh, the deception of the false prophet pointing you to worship the Antichrist who is obviously not the Christ, and Satan is not God, no matter how much he would like to be. Now let's get through chapter 14, and and we'll end there. Then I looked, and behold, a lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him 140,000, having his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven, like the voice of many waters, and like the voice of loud thunder. And I heard the sound of harpists playing their harps. They sang, as it were, a new song before the throne, before the four living creatures and the elders, and no one could learn that song except 144,000 who were redeemed from the earth. These are the ones who are not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever he goes. These were redeemed from among men being firstfruits of God and to the lamb. And in their mouth was found no deceit, for they are without fault before the throne of God. These 144,000, we've already talked about a little bit. He briefly goes into their relationship with the lamb and how they're gonna be able to follow the lamb around and be, there's been tons of uh, opinion about who these 144,000. We have a little bit more detail about who they are. There's no deceit. They're virgins. They've kept themselves pure. These are a special people appointed for a special purpose. And I get a little jealous when I read about the 144,000. But I know that I'm not part of it because I don't fit some of the qualifications. But um, with that being said, I take confidence in knowing that God did have and has had and continues to have a specific purpose and plan for my life. And just like I can read about these 144,000 people, we'll be able to go to heaven and we can open the, the book of life and read about what God's purpose was for your life, because there was a purpose that he had for your life. And it's written down for all eternity. It's recorded. So check it out when you get there. Then I saw, this is one of my, this is some of my favorite verses in Revelation, by the way. Just, I might get a little excited. But then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people saying with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to him for the hour of His judgment has come and worship him who has made heaven and earth, the sea and springs of water. God never, ever, ever brings judgment on mankind throughout history without warning them and asking them to turn and repent first never like that's how compassionate and loving God is he's like not gonna I'd come up from behind these suckers and I would just boom wipe them out and I'd laugh you guys are such jerks to me and you rejected me and I'm in charge this is how I'm gonna treat you he never does it he's like guys listen this is your last chance this is the everlasting gospel I want you to hear this God's judgment is coming please respond to him can you see the heart of God in that But their hearts are so hardened. And I've pleaded with people before. I'm like, please, 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 please listen to me. Believe me. This is truth. But because of hardness of heart, people get ripped off by the enemy. He deceives them. And another angel followed saying, Babylon has fallen, has fallen, that great city, because she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. We talked about this already. What was the the, the unofficial title of Babylon? That great city. What does that mean? That great city is the tribes, nations, and, and tongue of the world. They all spoke the same language. It's them. Building their own empire and building it up to heaven and doing their own thing and rejecting God's plan for the earth. And God looks down. He goes down. He checks it out. He says he goes down to see what they're doing. He's like, these guys are on a roll. If I don't address this thing, it's they're, they're going to be able to accomplish whatever they put their, their, their minds to. And then, boom, confuses the language. They can't work together anymore. And it seems like, for some reason, we've been at odds with each other ever since. But now this rebellion against God and this coming together to build our own empire, to build our own city, it says, the angel says, Babylon has fallen. There's no more uh, free, uh, open rebellion against God anymore. It's going to be taken away and the wrath of her, of her fornication, and the third angel followed them, saying in a loud voice, "If anyone worships the beast in his image and receives his mark on his forehead or receives it on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which he poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone, the presence of the holy angels, and in the presence of the lamb, and the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, they have no rest day or night. Who worship the beast and his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. Now I, I want to make note really quickly some Christians I think that they, they really make a big deal about the mark of the beast because they think that somehow they can accidentally take it. I don't think this is something that you're going to haphazardly accidentally take. It's something that you are going to willfully not only take but you're going to submit yourself to and worship the Antichrist. so Take heart. You're probably not going to be here, most likely. But if you are, just stay away from marks on your hand and forehead, and you should be good. This is the, this is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow, follow them. Praise God, people are still getting saved when the earth is in this condition. Praise God, the gospel of grace, that when the whole world is in the worst spot of rebellion in its history, people are still responding. And he says, blessed are those who die from this point on. Why? Because they step out of the temporal and they step into the eternal. And all of those things that they were being duped about or they were being lied to, they have no effect or authority in them anymore. Then I, behold, I looked and behold, a white cloud and on the cloud sat one like the son of man having on his head a golden crown and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple crying with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, thrust in your sickle and reap for the time has come for you to reap for the harvest of the earth is ripe. So he, he who sat on the cloud, thrusting his sickle on the earth and the earth was reaped you know God is is very serious when he gives people time frames and he and he, he gives them he, he gives them time to work in and, and and when it's full it's full you know I've been reading through Genesis going do, doing my through the Bible for the new year started in Genesis January 1st been reading through the Bible and Man, I love Genesis so much, and I just passed not too long ago Sodom and Gomorrah, and and I passed a spot. Earlier, before we got to Sodom and Gomorrah, where it says that the the sins of the sodomites, of the sodomites and the Gomorites had not yet reached its full. So God wasn't willing to deal with them. And then they, they go down, the, the angels of the Lord go down and have a conversation with Abraham. And he said, the, the Lord thinks to himself, Should I share with Abraham what I'm about to do? But because God knowing that the Abraham's gonna advocate for the people there because Lot lives there, and he says, Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead, I'm gonna destroy this city. And, and Lot says, but what if there's 40? What if there's 35? What if there's 30? What if there's 25? And each time God says, if there's 40, I will not destroy the city. If there's 30, if there's 20, if there's 10, I won't destroy the city. But then the angels go down. They take Lot and his families out. And guess what happens? The wrath of God rains down on the city and there is not one righteous person included in in the judgment of God. It's important to take note of that. So here we have... The church, everybody in the church, everybody who identifies as as a follower of God, who pleads the blood of Jesus Christ, um, is gone. And finally, the earth is ripe for the sickle, and he, he reaps the earth. Then another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven he also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar who had power over fire, fire. And he cried with a loud voice to him who had the sharp sickle saying, thrust in your sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth for her grapes are fully ripe. So the angel thrust his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the wine press was trampled outside the city and the blood came out of the wine press up to the horses' bridles for one thousand six hundred furlongs. So many people believe that the first reaping was the, the the final taking out of those who have faith or demonstrate believing faith in Jesus Christ. And the second reaping is the battle of Megiddo in the Megiddo Valley in Israel. And it says that all the armies are going to be gathered there and. Uh, The judgment from God is going to be so severe that the blood is going to rise up to the bridles on the horses. So, again, I talked about that a little bit on our prophecy update, or actually it was the Israel update after we got back from Israel, when I got to stand on Mount Carmel and look at the Megiddo Valley, which is way bigger than I could ever picture, and just imagine the entire thing filled with troops from around the world in in opposition and and defiance against God. And then God finally gathered, they all gathered together against him and everybody else has gone out of the earth and here comes a sickle and that's it. End of story. So that's where we're going to end tonight. But you don't have to worry about it because you're not going to be there. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word to us tonight and thank you that we can be so, God, we're, we're so humbled that That you use people like us. That you have purpose for us. That we don't have to be included in the 144,000. We don't have to be included in that number to be numbered by you and special by you. We know that you know the number of hairs on our head. You keep the tears that we've cried in a bottle. You know us inside and out, passionately, lovingly to the point where you would send your only begotten Son to the earth to, to redeem us, to buy us back to yourself. Lord, bless your church this week. Bless the word that you had for us, whoever that, th- these words were meant for, or whatever part of the study, Lord, that, that we went through. Bless your word on fertile soil. May we mature, uh, may we grow up in, in our faith and and give you all the glory that you deserve in Jesus' name. Amen. To